So I should think it should be like um, Welcome to the Black Magic Podcast Where we talk about Magic and Your mama And your mama <laughs> in the black community <laughs> oh, Mr. Jeff, You don't have to talk about your mama girl <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys looking at me like <laughs> No I, like it should be like fun Like something weird and mystical Throw in a little bit of Spanish Some bruja in there mm-hmm. I feel like I should have black lights. There should be runes on the wall. Flashing. Part of it is like normalizing. You know, alternative religion and the occult. I should have on like a whole different outfit. Okay. Five, four, three, two. Good evening and welcome to the Black Magic Podcast. My name is Martel and we are going to share with you all today information. Uh, well, this podcast was created to share information with the community, specifically the Black community, about information as it pertains specifically to alternative spirituality. Uh, that alternative spirituality being specifically Wicca, witchcraft, and the occult. So, um, as I stated, my name is Martel. I am formally a solitary practitioner in this in the above uh, mentioned practices now an initiate of a uh, specific witchcraft tradition and so today uh myself and co-hosts will be sharing some things with you about that i'm going to go ahead and turn it over to zaren hi my name is zaren i'm kind of in the same boat as martel i started off as a solo practitioner now i'm also an, an initiate in a grove as well and I'm going to turn it over to KC. My name is KC, and I am still a solitary solo practitioner, but working towards my initiation. Awesome. Zarin, did you want to um, share with our viewers what the topic is going to be tonight? Yeah, so this topic is going to be the initiated and the uninitiated. So essentially, we're going to be talking about the differences between being in an actual grove or a coven versus just being a solid practitioner, the bonuses as well as the negatives, and just kind of how it works and how we feel in our different aspects since we're since all three of us are kind of on different paths as well. So, awesome. Well, let's get started. Um, Why don't we begin with? what we identify as solo practitioner to be. So we talked a little bit before about uh, individuals finding their way um, to witchcraft or or Wicca who feel spiritually different than mainstream. 
I would identify a solo practitioner as someone who practices alone. <laughs> they discover um, it's it's pretty straightforward. You know, it's a person who is on their own path uh, within uh, with you know a, a witchcraft tradition or Wicca tradition that they feel uh, that they feel drawn to. And so it's individual's own path to, to spiritual discovery um, in the witchcraft would go around. What like do you that. guys think? I like that. I mean, that's pretty much exactly what I was thinking about it as well. Because uh, coming from a guy that started off as a solo practitioner and moving into the initiated craft, that's pretty much spot on where you kind of you kind of take the path on your own on your own leisure and you kind of move towards the things that attract you versus, you know, someone handing you a book and then you reading what they've done, you know? Um, yeah, I feel the same way. Like it's really doing your own thing, kind of finding your niche, finding what fits and what works for you. Um, I consider it, especially in the beginning, I consider it a, a large trial and error phase, but not, you know, error doesn't necessarily mean bad or wrong. It just means that you tried to sing and it wasn't for you. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits of, you know, kind of starting out as a solo person and, uh, um, you know, on your own is really learning what is important to you and what fits what your vision of the craft is. That's an awesome um, way to describe solo practice. I like what you said about, you know, an error not necessarily being something wrong, but just the individual finding uh, their way around. Uh, what are some of the benefits to you, that you guys think there are to being a solo practitioner? I would think that I can give you some. Of, um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I would think that some of the benefits uh, would be just. You know, you don't deal with the drama of having to deal with different personalities. You kind of get to explore things on your own. You get to go at your own pace. Um, and that's that's one of the biggest things that, like, I think it doesn't... It's not necessarily a bad thing that people stay solo practitioners. But I think that's one of the biggest things that keep people as solo practitioners because they see all these different groups out there. And they're just like, I don't know. They're interacting in a really weird way. I don't really like the way that they they dress, the way that they talk, stuff like that. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest things about solo practitioning is that you get to build your own path versus walking one of these older traditional paths. Agree. Um, I think the benefit of being a solo practitioner is that you aren't influenced by what I call consider groupthink. You have the ability to figure out things on your own. That's why I like what KC said about, you know, just you might you might discover something or, or think that you come across um, you know something that's good or, or valuable or a way of doing things and then later on find out that that's not quite what you want to do um, but that that process is developing and strengthening in connection with the individual's higher power if they look at Wicca from an actual spiritual perspective where you have a relationship with a higher being. And that relationship is yours and yours to develop. It's something that you can 
it's a one-on-one connection with you and the and your divinity of choice whether it's a goddess a god a god and a goddess you know you pretty much choose which pantheon you want to draw from and pursue that connection with your own higher power without being influenced by um other people's way uh of of looking at things it allows you to get a foundation for what a foundation and an understanding for where your heart is and you're able to explore you know what what is calling out to you what what your heart is telling you what direction uh to move in you can explore that free from i guess i don't want to i don't want to say um that being an initiate of a tradition you're stuck or they, that you don't have any options to explore things that you want to do because you absolutely do uh but being a solitary practitioner you're it's it's a spiritual journey that you take on your own that i think is very valuable um yeah i agree i think that one of the, for me one of the biggest benefits is the ability to really grow who you are from your core individually. I think that even if, you know, you're a solitary person like me and you know that, you know, traditional initiation and traditional work in a coven setting is what you want to do, I still think that it's just like any sports team or even even in the corporate world, you know, teamwork is you're only as good as how you are alone. You know, if you don't have skill individually, you're not going to have skill in a team. Um, you know, no one can carry you and that's whether it's the basketball team or whether it's in your coven work, you know, no one wants to carry you, no one, no one should carry you. So I think that being, um, doing solitary work really allows you to grow and strengthen yourself as an individual so that you are that much more potent and that much more useful when you are doing group work. Yeah, definitely. And it allows you the opportunity to decide for yourself whether or not you is something that you really want to be a part of or a spiritual path that you want to pursue. You don't have the influence of, you know, being in a in a coven setting because you like the people that are there or the people really like you or you feel, you know, like, man, you know, I, I, I really enjoy hanging out with these folks, but I'm really not interested in, in this spiritual tradition. Before you even get to to that, uh, point of deciding whether to be be a coven member or not. Um, if there's a coven who's interested to open their doors to you, <laughs> um, then you know arriving where you stand um, by having the opportunity to first uh, experience your own spiritual growth. What would you guys think uh, some of the disadvantages are then of working alone? Mm. Uh, there's a few. The biggest one that, that I see most often is misinformation and just being led down the wrong, just being led astray in general. Like you might pick up a certain book and now you're like, it wasn't really a big deal back in the days before the internet when, you know, there were books like you had to get published. And if you found a fringe book, then, you know, like you could easily mistrust it because it's it, it ain't on a bookshelf. But nowadays... With Facebook and stuff like that, there's just so much shenanigans out there and so much like misleading. Like even the way that some people like just talk about the gods, I'm like, that's that's not quite how you should handle that. But but that's one of the biggest drawbacks is that misinformation and lack of information for me. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think misinformation, you it, it, it can be discouraging to like dig through a lot of misinformation. Um, one of the pitfalls that I fell into was <laughs> the fast money spells. <laughs> and just, um, I never really believed in wanting to try and control anybody or influence anybody's actions um, through spiritual means. Um, but I was interested to see, you know, if, like when I first got started, and mind you, this was well over a decade ago. I was like, you know, interested in all the, all the like the little spell kits and fast this and fast that, um, and those things I I think are attractive because that's what pe- people want results immediately. It doesn't matter what tradition you're in, what spiritual practice you have, whether you are atheist, agnostic, or you know Christian, Muslim, whoever you are, people want want results and they want them quick, you know. And so all of that, all of the like you know, get, get money quick spells and, you know, this, these potions will do this and that, um, that sort of thing was a, was an initial pitfall, uh, for me. Um, what I have learned and this was prior to arriving to the doors of a, of a grove or coven is that, you know, you, in addition to doing spiritual work or, you know, any type of spell work for things that you want that you also have to put in the physical work to get it. I, I think I mentioned before, you know, check isn't just going to be mailed to you because you lit a candle. You have to actually work for the things that it is that you want to put yourself in alignment to get it. Yeah. I think the spiritual work is, is more like lighting the overall flame on a, you know, a fire pit that you've already built. You can chop down the wood, you put the logs in place. The spiritual work is is lighting that fire to the to the fire pit to then reap the reward of the warmth of, you know, sitting by a warm fire, if I could use an analogy to describe it. That's a good one. So that was something I had to learn, you know, through trial and error. Um I think for me one of the I know something that I struggled with in the beginning, definitely. And one of the pitfalls of being alone and working solo is like impersonator syndrome, because I fully believe that whatever we do, um, the more you believe in your ability to cause this thing to happen, the stronger and more potent it's going to be. And I think sometimes when you're alone and you haven't worked with anyone and so you're reading everything and then you don't really have you haven't seen it in action you haven't seen someone you know actually do it you may have this fear of am i doing this right and should i really be doing this and am i really a witch or am i just like you know i really like charmed and i want to be with you know so you kind of get in the back of your head because you haven't had that opportunity to speak with someone, to work with someone else, to kind of get those little corrections or just, you know, sometimes I know for me, my first time going to see a working covenant, see them do things, it was just like, oh, it was almost miraculous angels in the background, you know, type situation because it reaffirmed so much of what I was doing. So when you don't have that, you may have that doubt in the back of your mind, which can work against, you know, the very workings that you're putting out there if you don't even believe that it's going to work. And I think working solo, sometimes it can bring that element, that element of doubt to you. 
Right. I think um, I think I, just for this, just the sake of conversation, I'm just going to refer to my collective um, higher powers as the divine. I think the divine has a way of helping you, helping an individual reaffirm where they stand, though, uh, just through simple through simple means, the path of least resistance. You can. I, I see symbols all the time you know, in nature and just going going about the course of a day, something may happen that for me that will reaffirm that the working that I've done, you know, as a solitary practitioner, that I'm asking for the right things, I'm headed in the right direction. You know, my petition has been heard, my working has been noticed. I am, you know, where I need to be, so to speak. And I think that that happens, um, but if you don't know what to look for or if you have that that doubt and don't have someone to encourage you to continue or to or to, to practice, then you could that is something that one can miss as a solitary. I think that even like not just missing it, I know like sometimes I notice in different groups on Facebook and stuff, you know, people who've been solitary for a long time and they really, really want this. Um that sometimes we work against ourselves in the opposite way of, you know, when you said looking, you know, you notice those signs. Sometimes we look at things that aren't signs and immediately go like, like I've seen, I see it all the time. Like, oh, I did this spell and my candle burned black or the wax went to the side or I couldn't get the wig to take. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? It's like it, you probably had a bad candle or you didn't cut the wig. You know, it's not always, it's almost like I can't even remember. There's a word that we use in um, social psychology um, and it makes parsimony, which basically means in a nutshell, if you hear hooves in the park, don't think zebra. And meaning don't always jump to the most far-fetched conclusion. But like you said, when you're solitary, you don't have anyone to help you understand that not everything is necessarily a divine message and it's not always a bad thing even when it is a divine message you know if you see a crow there may be a dead carcass somewhere in your yard or something like that it doesn't always mean but when you don't have that group or that mentor or that person to kind of help you rationalize these things and even rationalize through a spiritual lens you can jump to a conclusion and again you're working against yourself because now you're thinking oh i just saw this dead deer on the side of the road and i did this fertility smell yesterday so that means it's not going to come it's like but how many dead deer have you ever seen on this particular road because there's a deer crossing sign right there which lets me know that deer cross here often you know you don't have that ability and i think that can be one of the detriments because that's what was one of the detriments for me like in my beginning which was over a decade ago, but of course I'm only 21. Um, <laughs> that, um, you know, I was one of those people who thought everything was a sign, everything. I could walk out of my house and a leaf could fall that it was like, that meant something. It meant something. <laughs> and I was worrying about what I had just done or what I had, the petition I had just sent up and nothing was ever coming to fruition. And then it took me a while to realize it's not coming to fruition because you keep spiritually you keep putting your hands on it Mm -hmm. but you were saying that you were giving it to a higher power to work this thing out but it's like you're taking it back like no i want you to fix it but no i'm gonna hold on to it well they can't fix it if i keep holding on to it exactly 
yeah, I had trouble. I used to get stuck a lot with reverse um, because I primarily only read tarot cards for myself. But the wild unknown, I love, 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 love. This deck is by far my favorite. It sits on my desk. I do a daily draw with it. I read from it. I meditate on the images. I used to get so stuck and caught up in, you know, like reverse readings, you know, and trying to discern meaning out of things on my own. That's just one example. But like you said, with the candle burning thing, you know, a candle will go out halfway through and it's just like, up. Oh, let me throw my hands up. I don't need to be, you know, focusing my efforts on trying to accomplish this thing in life or you know, so I'll see a dead bird and it would be somebody is out to get me, somebody doing voodoo on my doorstep. <laughs> That's not necessarily the case. <laughs> um, so, now if you see dead birds and also uh, sigils and symbols and a note written out that says, I'm going to get your behind. <laughs> nah, somebody left that for somebody else. That's not for me. <laughs> somebody might be out to get you. <laughs> my girl, you in trouble. <laughs> trying to get you. <laughs> we talked about some advantages and disadvantages. Just having guidance. Having that guidance and avoiding pitfalls and not being taken advantage of because there's so many things that people try to sell you online as well. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's just a, a bunch of ripped off stuff that they probably got from somewhere else who ripped that off from somewhere else, you know, which is really irritating to that's a big pet peeve of mine right now. It's like, I, cause I know there are so many people who, I almost feel like there's like a a second spiritual awakening going on, you know, across the world and that people are really beginning to look towards old knowledge, alternative religion, the occult, and people are trying to cash in on it, you know, with these $600 crash courses in Witchcraft 101 that's just like... Oh, witch school and whatnot. Yeah. These things that you can learn from one book for $10. Right. Right. Or less. Or if you belong to a coven or a grove, let's, why don't we talk about that next? You know, where some of the benefits are there. Or in KC's case, some of the perceived benefits. If you guys don't know, KC does his homework, okay? So he has researched these things through and through, through and through and through, and, and you know, doesn't speak to you just out the side of his neck, so... I I really enjoy what my brother KC has to say. So even though you aren't currently in a coven, I think that your experience here is absolutely valuable. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say on the topic. So if we go into um, what it is to be an initiate or initiated into a Wicca or witchcraft tradition, what would you say some of the benefits are of that, Sarah? Mm. There's a lot of benefits, actually. That group setting, that group mindset, um, just feeling like you belong to something, feeling like what you're doing actually makes sense. Um, some people just can't get out of their own heads whenever they're like kind of practicing on their own, and they're just like, "Well, is that count on the right spot? Is it is it the right temperature in here? Is somebody gonna walk in like something like that?" But when you're in that group setting, you kind of almost get get lost 
in that setting, not like you don't like completely lose yourself, but when you're there and you're like practicing, it's like you kind of fall back and you kind of like get to relax and just like do the work and like do the celebrations and do the festivals, you know, that. And then just like the archive of knowledge, um, having, having different mentors and making different friendships and connections. Um, it's almost like a small school within itself, just, just from being in your own like group. I would um, say, you know, if I could, if I could just use a, a couple words to describe what I think the experience is like, connection, number one, um, and I'm, I'm sort of quoting a little bit of Brene Brown here, connection, compassion, okay, um, those are things that I, I would say characterize, depending on the, again, and, it, and it, it all depends on the group of people who you are looking to work with spiritually because it's a lot of a lot of stuff out there you definitely got to do your homework if you and and understand what it is that you're getting yourself into as much as possible prior to you know saying yes i want to go through the process of being an initiate in this tradition mm-hmm. um to zaren zaren's point you you then get access to people with experience you know, if it let's let's just assume for the sake of argument that this is a legit um, group that is well run, well organized, the people mean well, and they want to see you grow as an individual spiritually and in your life. Uh, you do get access to just a lot of experience. Um, people who have probably been a solitary on, of course, some people may start, I mean, you know, again, it just depends on the group, but, you know, people who have a lot of experience with the tradition, number one, and in their own personal experiences, the different talents that people have. I think, um, for example, our Grove, we have a myriad of talents and just, ability and just things that that we all have ex- have our own sort of like area of expertise in and so that's cool you times your potions by the number of people in the group <laughs> okay multiply your library times the number of people in the group um and then you just you have as as you develop a connection with people, you you are able to bring some, you know, talk about personal things with them, and work together on something that you want to accomplish. Your girl members will help you with that. Mm-hmm. So, what do, what are some things that you perceive as being the benefits of joining a, a Grove or a Coven, Casey? Um, for me, how can I put it? First, I think, so I definitely come from the school of thought of iron sharpens iron. So for me, I think one of the benefits of being a part of a group is the refinement that I feel will personally come from it because there's only so much you can learn from books. There's only so much you can learn from yourself But when you enter into a group setting, I don't want to say that it's necessarily like somebody's going to tell you how to do it right, but they may may be able to show you a way to do it better, to be more effective. 
yeah, that those different perspectives really make make things better in my opinion. Um, so there's, you know, I may be good at this particular thing, but then I'm able to go into this setting and learn different ways that different people do it and refine my ability to the nth power because I've now been able to apply it through a bunch of different lens and get the most clarifying picture that I possibly can for this thing. And so I think that when you're dealing with individuals who are like-minded, it's that iron sharpens iron because I can't really have these conversations with someone who doesn't understand it. And I can't have these conversations or talk about my practice with people who aren't also in this zone of practice. It's just like, I'm talking about it. I may be educating you about it, but I'm not getting anything from educating you about it. But when I'm talking to someone who also practices this, who also lives this, who this is also their experience, it now becomes a conversation. I'm not necessarily educating you. I'm giving you a glimpse on how I do it. And you're able to then reciprocate, well, this is how I do it. And I may not even agree with necessarily how you do it, but I may find instances in it, like for instance, so weird. I'm separate. I love handwriting and I like to be able to write well. So when I see other people's writing and I may see, I may think everything that Zarin writes is ugly, except for how he makes it a capital N. And then I go and I incorporate that into how I write to make my writing that much more, um, in my opinion, at least beautiful. I have refined myself through someone else's experience. And I think that's part of what comes with it. And I also think I don't think anyone can ever deny that there is power in numbers. And so being initiated, being a part of a group allows you to tap into an egregore of power that is far beyond you to really help you manifest the things that you're, you know, working on. And I mean, you know, I've, I've been around people who are like, I'm solitary, I'm always going to be solitary and I can manifest any and everything that I need unto myself. And if that's your story, that's great. But at the same time, I also see those same individuals who post things like, oh, I'm so sad. Why I don't have a man? Why I don't have a wife? Why I don't have this? And third, it's like, oh, but sweetie, I thought you could manifest anything and everything in and of yourself. Um, and it's no shade to those individuals, but I just feel like... Talking about the <laughs> <Right. laughs> I'm just saying, you know... <laughs> Two things don't add up. You can't say you can manifest any and everything by yourself and then you can't do it. So it's like, I feel like there is that element of having people with you who are on the same wavelength, who are on the same page and you all are focused on the same aim. That concerted effort is statistically supposed to bring a greater benefit than my effort alone and then again when we're talking about the experiences sometimes honestly we can know ourselves to the nth degree and still not know exactly what we need and so when you're in a situation where you're dealing with other people who doubt they are also bringing their experience of you to a situation you may be doing a working for you know mental or emotional healing that's just not working because you think that your healing is supposed to look this way but these other individuals see what you're going through and like no this is what really needs to be happening for this person to begin a healing process that is also extremely beneficial because i know for me i'm a i'm a cut them off and leave them person in a new york minute they I, but I've had people around me like, mm, I don't think you should cut this person off because I don't think that's going to be beneficial for you. So I think that 
being able to look at anything through multiple lenses is the most beneficial thing i think when it comes to you know initiation but also the like you said before that level of camaraderie that level of cohesiveness as a unit working towards spiritual goals is extremely beneficial yeah and to piggyback on that uh you gotta kind of think about where these traditions came from and how they were built like rome wasn't built by one person it was built by a collection of ideas and people coming together to build it so you like some people just like revel in solitary you know like i completely understand sometimes i don't like people either but at the same time to get to the next yeah to get to the next step and to move forward and to like grow as a person or as a community like you have to come together like even if you want to be the hermit outside the village you still sometimes got to come to the village to get like bread and eggs you know yeah that's true i am totally the hermit outside of the village okay i am the witch of grim lore <laughs> who lives in the forest <laughs> and wears capes <laughs> it's so weird i'm so like I don't know, like, I'm the hermit that lives in the village. Like, I don't have, <laughs> because I don't have a large social circle, but I like to be social, but I'm not intimate with everybody. Everybody's not in my inner circle, yeah. but I still need to be amongst the people. So, like, logistically speaking, I, I don't live in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> no, Marta, I've been to your forest house, so clear. <laughs> I do. I live in the forest, and I'm quite. I would love to. I would love to. You might have. I might have to be looking at some real estate in North Carolina or somewhere like that in the future. But it's pretty cheap in North Carolina. That's a conversation for another day. You tried it. It's it's not that cheap. But okay. <laughs> oh, <wait>. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I bet you it's a lot cheaper than it is to live. You know, in in other places. Yeah, probably in eastern North Carolina, it's pretty cheap, but I promise you, you don't want to live there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, man. I love it. All right. Well, your, your, on that. your skin okay. tone is not going to be appreciated there. Oh, okay, yeah. I have to be places <laughs> where my skin tone is appreciated. Yeah. Where my skin tone is exalted. Maybe not that much, but not, maybe not, not, not okay. that much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't have, you have to exalt me, but, you know. Don't turn me down for goods and services and opportunities because of it, right? Um, so what are some of the disadvantages then of working in a group setting, would you say? <laughs> um, I would say from my, from my perception, at least, and this is just me being who I am, I think that when you're working in a group setting, there may be times that your personal ambition has to be put to the side, and that is an issue for me, um, just because I am an ambitious person. Um, I think also just from human nature, and even though we can all be a part of the same tradition, all, you know, um, utilizing the same devotional practices and so on and so forth, there's still this nature of clickiness, even within the smallest of groups. Yeah. You have four people, and there's probably going to be three clicks within those four people. Um, so that that nature of divisiveness that sometimes rises when you have groups come together, um, I think that can definitely be a disadvantage, especially if you're new to the group and you have to try to navigate these very intricate but small, intimate network, social networks within a small group. It can be daunting sometimes because you don't want to 
piss off the wrong person. Um, you, you know how that gets sometimes like, oh, you want to be, everybody wants to be popular. So even in the situation in, within a group, you want to be the popular witch or whatever. Um, I think that can, those, those social norms that still express themselves within spiritual praxis, I think, are it, on the outside looking in at least, can be a disadvantage. Well, again, that just all depends on the group that you are working with, how well it's run, how it's organized, how the individuals express themselves, you know, the transparency level of communication between the group and, you know, the inner workings of of a group. Personalities, you know, everybody has their perspective and their, you know, again, their own personality and stuff like that. I think I look at this, the disadvantage um, I think one of the disadvantages is what I mentioned earlier, the the group think sort of mindset. But again, I, I haven't had any bad experiences where I have been discouraged or dissuaded from, you know, looking at things in a particular way that I want to look at them. Some of my biggest spiritual growth has come from out of working with the group that I'm in now. And just an example, you know, I used to, I used to do way more than what was required or what was needed for a spiritual working. Okay. Like I, I like big aesthetics, let's just say, you know, sometimes you don't need all of that. And so working with um, our high priest, I have been able to sort of realign some things, you know, as far as disadvantages is concerned, just sometimes scheduling can be a little bit of a issue when it comes down to getting everybody on the same page for a particular event. Not to say that that, uh, that, that happens in, in my group because we work through scheduling stuff, you know, um, and the, for every problem there's a solution. It just, that can be a, you know, you have to really make sure that, especially if there's, if there's work that you want to do on your own on a given day, like the full moon, for example, let's say it's the full moon and your girl has planned to meet on a full moon to hold, hold a aspite ritual, but you, you have your own personal working that you want to do on the full moon as well. But somebody who is, who, you know, comes from being a solitary practitioner you know, that's like you you just have to be able to manage your time well enough to participate in a group and do your own working if you were going to do your own working. And so planning can be a little bit of a challenge. Um, navigating through the initiatory process. Um, if I, I again, it's it's hard for me to speak on disadvantages because I don't have a lot to I don't have a lot of things much at all really to say about any disadvantages of working with the um, the growth that I'm in now. Everyone's been open and pretty loving, and I learn a lot. And I can call any one of my brothers up at any time, you know, just to talk or share something, or you know, hey, you got X, Y, and Z herb or ingredient candle book, you know, whatever it is. And, um, you know, that's just how we roll. So 
I could see there being issues depending on the personalities of people involved in the group, which is why my advice to any seeker would be to get a feeling for the people that you're going to be interacting with and listen to what your mind and your heart is telling you. You know, don't go into a seeking power and just wanting to be, you know, a big name pagan or a second degree or third degree or whatever the degree system is that that girl will come and use Go into it, you know, if, if I mean, if that's your aim, then that's what you're going to attract. And those are the people that you're going to attract. And then that may cause some issues just depending on how people's personalities are and how they interact with the world around them. But uh, I don't have those kinds of problems in my group because I'm the Supreme. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Uh, that's just a joke. Trying to be HWIC, huh? It's a it is an ongoing harmless joke. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think that we um, do well when it comes down to just respect and and love and the things I mentioned earlier, connection, being available for each other, sharing um, different things that we um, are good with or have experience with, sharing our different talents. You know, how much brew, uh, beer have you brewed for us, Zaren? A ton. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just one thing, you know. So, my essential oil brand coming soon. Oh, uh, for real? <laughs> yeah, uh, for real. <laughs> that doesn't have to be in the recording. <laughs> it's cool, it's cool. All right, so next week's topic. We're going to talk about the ancestors. Fisting. <laughs> <laughs> I will be excusing myself. The definition of feast and orgy. My name, Sister Mary Clarence. Oh, Lord. Casey, is that eyeshadow or are your eyes just naturally that beautiful? These are my eyes. Yeah, I never put eyeshadow on. Uh, Honestly, this is like lack of sleep eyes. I like it. A little smoky eye. It is cute. I hate it, and I have been trying to. I've been using rose toner and everything on my eyes, and it's like they won't get to the color they're supposed to be. Okay. Beautiful. All right. I think Bye, good. I think this was good. I think it yeah, had a good. This one was really it. good. This one was a really good one. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Love y'all. Talk Thanks to you later. Everybody.